0: Today's podcast is brought to you by the new HBO series Any Given Wednesday with Bill Simmons. Hey, I know that guy. The new show will feature intimate conversations with compelling guests from the worlds of pop culture, sports, entertainment, the arts, and technology. Any Given Wednesday with Bill Simmons will also include field segments and Simmons' signature commentary on current events. Make sure to watch Any Given Wednesday with Bill Simmons, premiering Wednesday, June 22nd at 10 p.m. on HBO. We're also brought to you by our new website, TheRinger.com, presented by Miller Lite. Go now, or at least uh, go right after you listen to this podcast, and check out the latest in pop culture sports and tech at TheRinger.com. We're also brought to you by Yahoo Sports. It's been a leader in fantasy sports for nearly two decades. It's great to see that they recently introduced Fair Play for Daily Fantasy. Yahoo is helping to level the playing field for sports fans with strict contest entry limits and veteran labels for highly experienced players so you know who you're playing against. Yahoo Sports is offering our listeners a special offer. Go to the Yahoo Fantasy app or visit yahoo.com slash daily fantasy and use promo code ringer, that's R-I-N-G-E-R, with your next deposit to receive a one-time $50 deposit bonus that's earned over time as you play. Plus, first-time depositors will receive a $10 credit to enter contests. So remember, that's promo code ringer on Yahoo Sports Daily Fantasy. Welcome to The Ringer MLB Show. My name is Mallory Rubin. I'm the deputy editor of The Ringer, a wonderful new website that you should visit frequently. I'm joined today by Ringer staff writer and just generally wonderful human being, Michael Bauman. Michael, hello.
1: Hello. So, I'm so excited to be doing this podcast with you. It's...
0: I am so excited. Also, just a little, like, let's, let's give our personal history to the readers for a second here. We have been working together for years at this point. I edit you for a long time. We talk about baseball and many other things. I have done a few of these podcasts, you have done a few of these podcasts, but we have never had the pleasure of doing one together until today.
1: We're making history.
0: It's amazing. And I think we both agreed that if we were going to talk about one thing on this first show, it had to be our shared history of always finishing behind Bill Barnwell in fantasy baseball (laughs) leagues. But now (laughs) we're free. We're free of the tyranny of the Barnwell fantasy regime, and we can make our own stories and we can win and we can be great and it's depending on your league uh for, for all the listeners out there depending on your league you're either at the midway point of your fantasy baseball season or you're close to the midway point close enough that we figured this would be a great time to have a little fun and just talk about the fantasy season to date disappointments, pleasant surprises, trade targets, prospects to stash, et cetera. And we're just kind of going to go like rapid fire and, and, and go category by category here and uh, and share some of our observations. Some of this will be, you know, based on actual data and information, some of it will be, be based on feelings and emotion, because if we just did this is how this guy was supposed to be doing and this is how he is doing, that wouldn't be very fun, that'll be a part of it, but there will be, uh, there will be other factors in play as we do our, our rankings and re-rankings here. So yep. let, let's, yeah. uh, <laughs> okay. um, let's get started. First thing to discuss, because sadness is always a little more tempting to talk about than joy. Let's talk about our biggest disappointments of the fantasy baseball season so far. Um, I, I, I want to issue a little caveat here, which is it would be tempting for me personally to just list players that I drafted in one of my leagues who have fucked me over. Uh, And and specifically players like A.J. Pollock, who got injured the night that I had drafted him. I drafted him with my first pick of the third round that morning. And that evening, he broke his elbow and is probably out for... Well, he he says he might come back. Who knows? But the the, the point is, that was a wasted pick. I'm going to resist the urge to just do players who are out with debilitating injuries. Um, So my first nomination for biggest disappointment of the year is a man that you so aptly dubbed the mighty Giancarlo Stanton, Marlon's outfielder. He, okay, so preseason Yahoo rank, 11. Current Yahoo rank, 548. That is like a, a little hard to even fathom and contemplate. He is basically having the season that Chris Davis had a couple of years ago where there's just enough power production to not want to throw yourself out of a window if you drafted him, but everything else is maddening. He's hitting 194, only 12 homers, 29 RBI, scored 22 runs. That's terrible. I mean, I think a lot of people out there drafted him hoping to get as much out of him as they possibly could before he got hurt, but that ship has already sailed.
1: Yeah, I mean, if if we were still in the same league together, uh, he would almost (laughs) certainly be on my team because every year I draft him, like towards the back end of the first round, thinking this is the year that he, you know, that's fifty home runs and fifteen stolen bases and a three ten batting average, and yeah, he was first on my list too. And like if you if you whiff on your first round pick like that, it's just so hard to to come back from it, which would make it just doubly disappointing and if you know he's not on your team then you could very easily look at you know because he's paying attention to the marlins you know you just look over there you see every so often he hits a 450 foot home run and think he's doing okay when that is very very much not the case
0: it's it's to the point where it's hard to even try to shop him if you're owning him because you have to sell so low that it's probably just too painful to even contemplate similarly Mm -hmm. the next uh the next guy on my list, since you said uh, Stanton was already f- was first on yours as well, the next guy on my list is uh, is someone I have the uh, the misfortune of owning in one of my leagues, and that's Dallas Keuchel, Astros uh, starting pitcher and reigning oh, Cy Young winner. Do we have the same list? Do we? We might. <laughs> we might. This is like when uh, when uh, 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 Kevin and Mays Kevin, had the, yeah. <laughs> the same wide receivers list the other week. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'll we'll start to differentiate a bit here. Keuchel was ranked 48th preseason. He's currently sitting at 604. He has a 5.54 ERA, 1.44 whip. He, this is actually the most alarming to me. He only has six quality starts. He started 14 games. So other than the fact that he has 81 strikeouts, he's actually doing more harm than good if you're starting him. And he's actually doing more harm than good in a real baseball, too. This isn't just fantasy. I mean, he's a negative war right now. His yeah. FIP is 3.82, so there's some reason to believe that he'll start to improve. But owning him has been one of the most painful fantasy experiences imaginable this year.
1: Well, I I could have told you, I would have stayed away from Keuchel at the start of the season because he, you know, I know he won the the Cy Young last year, but he's, he strikes out fewer guys than maybe any other um, elite starting pitcher, uh, if we're going to call him that. So you you can get away with that in, in real life. But when strikeouts are one of like the the five categories that you're counting that's kind of important
0: it was but, one of those things where i had no intention of drafting him and actually had him on like my personal players to avoid list but then he kept falling and there, there gets to be that moment where you're yeah, like i can't justify to. passing on this guy and uh there you go now i'm now i'm screwed um who, who's next on your list
1: well I'm, i was actually just gonna go in on the houston astros in general mm. um so I've got Ken Giles, who like he <laughs> your well, man, my man, <laughs> he, uh, he so he he came over from the Phillies in the offseason off on the back of of two of the best relief seasons of a player of his experience. And I thought he was going to come into Houston, stomp into that closer role and just, you know, pick up 40 saves without really trying all that hard. And he has I'm. I'm actually not sure what's wrong with them. I think the velocity's down a little bit, but like you can see the slider still there. It's just, it's just one of those things that, that makes us, um, harp on why relievers are so unpredictable. And like, even at the beginning of the year, um, Luke Gregerson was supposed to be the closer and, um, yeah, honestly, I thought that would last about three weeks. I thought that was just AJ Hinge nodding to seniority, and and Giles would would uh, be saving games by I don't know, early May, and right. he's I don't know in the the six hundreds, I think, it, it, because he's a reliever. He got drafted a little lower, so he's not like team destroying, disappointing, but you know, he's one of those guys that I definitely would have made a play for, and uh, who definitely would have come back to bite me. And the other guy, the other Astro is Carlos Gomez. Who's uh, been yeah. disappointing me from the moment he arrived <laughs> in Houston. I, I wrote a hot take at the trade deadline. I, I said, remember Mets, it well. <laughs> I wore this all off season said the Mets screwed up by trading for Cespedes and not Gomez Gomez is a better player. He signed for an extra year. He does more for you. He has power. He has speed. He has defense and he is public enemy. Number one in Houston. And with good reason, you know, average draft position, uh, Uh, from what I've got off Yahoo 53.1 he is 854th in their in their (laughs) rankings right now and like he got he's been hurt on and off ever since he arrived with the Astros but like he got hurt and then he got better this year and everybody's like no maybe we should just keep him in the minor leagues you know just pretend like he's still hurt because like you know Jake fucking Marisnik is doing better now and you know Jake Jake Mariznick is is a non-entity at this point and he's doing better than this this guy he used to be one of the best players in the the national league not too long ago.
0: I think his um, his abysmal performance also like stands out in such stark contrast to all the young exciting vibrant players on that mm-hmm. team. Like he'd be terrible no matter what circumstance doesn't actually impact his stats. It's just like you look around and you're like why 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 would they want this guy to even be a part of this, you know? The, uh, the next guy on my list is actually a little similar, and that is Troy Tulowitzki, who uh, was ranked 66th preseason, is now sitting at a cool 736. Um, if you were a smart drafter this preseason, you took someone like Francisco Lindor when you were looking at the fourth, maybe fifth shortstop off the board. You took an upside guy. If you were a moron like me, you took Tulowitzki. And shockingly, shockingly, Michael, he got hurt. He's currently on the DL with the bum quad. I know I know that everyone is stunned that he hasn't been mm-hmm. able to stay healthy, but the injury didn't even really matter because before he was hurt, he was awful. He was hitting two four, eight homers, one CL, 23 RBI seventeen runs in Toronto's offense it's almost impossible to be that bad It's like I, I just can't wrap my mind around it. I mean, I think that everyone knew that there was an injury risk. I think everyone knew that the, the, it was he was not the same player anymore but we are still less than a calendar year away from when he was the top trade target, maybe right there, you know, with David or, or with uh, David Ortiz, geez, with David Price in all yeah. of baseball. And now he's a Mendoza line player. That's insane.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm sort of of two minds with Tulewitzki in that one, I have absolute confidence in his ability to bounce back like, you know, we're not too far removed from a year where he was like top 10 in the national league in war after playing only 80 games. Right. So, and you know, that's a great ballpark and a great lineup for him to, to hit in. So once he gets back in the lineup, then I think he'll be just fine. But on the other hand, shortstop is as crowded as it's ever been in terms of, of a uh, quality guys and guys who can put up quality, quality fantasy numbers too. And it's only going to get more. So, um, and we'll get to this a little bit later in the podcast when some of the uh, young guys in the upper minors come up. So, you know, is it, I think Tulowitzki going to be fine in the long run, but on the other hand, he doesn't represent that kind of massive advantage over your average shortstop anymore.
0: Right. Right. Who, uh, who who's next on your list?
1: Uh, I was, I'm going to go with Puig. He's another guy who's been <laughs> in, a, in and out of the lineup and like, you know, average draft position is uh, around 68 and Again, that's not high enough that it's going to wreck your team, but I could see him, you know, I could see staring at him at, at that slot on draft, and thinking, think no, this is great value. This is a guy who could hit 35 home runs, you know, who could who could steal a few bases because, you know, caught stealing doesn't matter in, in fantasy. And, you know, he's just, he's been not quite Carlos Gomez bad, but a, a lot of the same symptoms, you know, it's just he makes a lot of mistakes on the field that people get on him. Um, rightly or wrongly, for and it's just you know the the performance hasn't matched a talent this year. So and you know he's just so much fun that he disappoint. You know it's disappointing that he's not out there and and raking anyway.
0: Another guy on a, on one of my teams. It's been. It's been pretty painful I have to say wow. and, uh, I have uh, bad Listen I'm actually In third place in this League which is insane Given how many bad Decisions I made in the Draft but well, You must al-
1: have drafted All the guys that's That are going to be On our uh, surprise ex- exactly. list Exactly
0: that's the That's the other half Of it but Puig you know He's on the DL right Now and I, I've had to Consider a couple times Just flat out dropping Him because he doesn't Really have a ton of Trade value in obvious Ways I'll get to why I Think he should have Trade value later but It's uh, it's been tough One um, uh, another tough one is the next guy on my list, Shelby Miller, Arizona starter. Yeah. He wasn't like this. Is not a guy you were drafting to be like your number one pitcher. Okay, this was a guy who was ranked one sixty eight preseason, but he's nine seventy eight right now. Even if you weren't counting on him to be an ace, you were counting on him to be productive. And what he what he is 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 terrible. He's on the DL with a finger injury. He's about to come back, and in his most recent rehab start, he struck out eleven batters. There are some positive signs, H- however. He has an ERA north of seven. He's posted one. One quality start this season, which... I, I like seems like a typo. Maybe it is a typo. I can't believe that's real. <laughs>
1: He's just been that bad. And it's it's ugly.
0: It, it it's like obviously magnified by how many things have gone wrong in general for the Diamondbacks, but you know, there's the, the real the real baseball factor there of what they gave up to get him, giving up a number one draft pick, an elite shortstop prospect. But just from a fantasy perspective, this is this is a guy that you, you drafted in the mid rounds and, and three or four starts into the season you had to flat out drop and there's been no reason to consider reacquiring him since. That's pretty disappointing.
1: Yeah. All right. My my last guy is uh, Justin Upton, who I don't know, like he's probably not a guy who would have wound up on my team just because he's one of those players. And I tend to love players who are better in real life than in fantasy. Like I'm the president. I overdrafted Jason Hayward (laughs) probably five years in a row. (laughs) Me too, Um, including this year. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But,
0: uh,
1: you know, Upton is. He's sitting he's 229, 229. He's currently uh, rated number 548 in Yahoo. And like I... I might not have picked him, like, in the 40s where, where he was going in a lot of drafts, but I it never occurred to me that it would have been this bad, and it's made worse by the juxtaposition with his brother, Melvin, who was given up for dead, um, who is now putting up pretty much the same batting average run scored in RBI in San Diego, but has twice as many home runs and four times as many stolen bases.
0: Boss so man. not only
1: did you... Not, not only did you... Uh, Make a mistake in drafting Justin Upton, you got the wrong Upton.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's that's looking like a pretty bad contract for the Tigers. Um, yeah. but the good news for the Tigers is that the that's not the only uh, AL Central team with uh, underperforming fantasy players. The, the last guy on my list is Jose Abreu. <laughs> yeah, White Sox first baseman, preseason rank eighteen, current rank two thirty eight. It's one of those things where like the nat- he's kind of like. The narratives on each side have allowed him to not really be the object of much ridicule. People have spent so much time praising guys like Chris Sale and Adam Eaton and talking about weird fucked up White Sox situations like the Adam LaRoche stuff, the, the, the what's appearing to be a horrible trade for, for James Shields that uh, Brady's really just flown under the radar and not been a discussion point much at all. He's hitting 265, nine homers, 38 RBI a- after slugging four an insane 581 in 2014 and 502 last year he's he's slugging 427 this year which is just for by his standards that's positively pedestrian so you know if you drafted him he, he hasn't killed you but he hasn't really helped you either and that's kind of a bummer
1: and that illustrates sort of the problem with uh like first base corner outfield types where if you know if you're getting like Joey Votto or Miguel Cabrera, you know somebody elite. Then that's fine. Spend an early pick on him. But if you're not, then you can wait. You can find value somewhere else. So, you know, I guess the hope is, if you drafted Abreu, you didn't invest so much into him in terms of uh, auction budget or draft position that you would feel too bad about cutting bait if if somebody better comes along right now.
0: Totally agree. All right, let's uh, let's let's talk about the the positive things in life. Let's talk about our most pleasant surprises of the fantasy baseball season so far. Why don't you Why don't you kick things off? Who's first on your list here? All right, I'm going to go with Ian Desmond. Ah. Uh, who your man, yeah. So
1: when I was in high school, I, I think this is the only time I've ever won a fantasy baseball league. But I did it because <laughs> I got Albert Pujols the year where he played like five games at second base and was eligible there in my league. So I just <laughs> played him at second base when he was playing playing first base and left field the entire year. And Ian Desmond sort of in that position where because of of uh, where he played previously he's still eligible at shortstop but in center field like you know he's uh, i think nine home runs 12 stolen bases 300 batting average like he's legitimately on merit right now like a i don't know like a top 15 fantasy guy like this is andrew mccutcheon numbers from someone who was left for dead by uh by the baseball intelligentsia uh last season and now you've got Who's right? You know, a guy who right now is an elite center fielder uh, on the field and a top I don't know fifteen twenty fantasy performer uh, in the in your fantasy league. So I think if you were lucky enough to take a late flyer on on Ian Desmond, you're looking pretty smart right now.
0: Desmond was on my list as well. I mean, it, it's it's the kind of thing where. You've always sort of hoped that he would have 25-25 homer steal potential, but you knew you were gonna have to contend with a low average, some weird, weird shit. He's hitting 309, he's slugging 488. I mean his OPS is 843. He's he's crushing it in every respect and he's in a potent lineup, so he's driving in runs and he's scoring them too. Um the the first guy on my list is a pitcher, Rich Hill. Of the Oakland A's, who is currently on the in, on the DL, which is a bummer because I own him in multiple leagues, but has has really been a revelation uh, all season. He was ranked 299 preseason, sitting at 36 right now. He's got eight wins, 2.25 ERA, 1.13 WHIP, 74 K's, only 24 walks. He's been about as consistently solid as you could possibly hope any player on your fantasy team would be, but he was a waiver wire pickup. Like this is not a guy who got drafted and he's been performing at a, a fantasy oh, wow. MVP level. That's amazing.
1: I'm, I'm a little surprised. He was a, a waiver wire pickup. I want to play in your league next year. Cause <laughs> if he got through like, you know, he had that, that great 10 start stretch toward the end of last season. And I think the, the question was not, not so much. Is it in there? It's can he keep it up over a full season? And, you know, since he's on the DL, I guess the, the jury's still out on that, but yeah, I mean, just, he's a guy who like, it seemed like every time out he threw six or seven innings and struck out 10 guys and, you know, for a waiver wire pickup, that's about as good as it gets.
0: I think just, there was the, the, you know, the, I guess justifiable thinking that that was a blip, right? And that that was—it's yeah. not reasonable to assume that a guy can become that player that late in his career. But it appears that that's what's happened. So hopefully he'll be off the DL soon and uh, and uh, you know leading me to fantasy glory. Who's uh, who's next for you?
1: I'm gonna go with Aaron Nola. Oh, uh,
0: I'm shocked. Yeah. I'm shocked yeah, that no. you're gonna talk about Aaron Nola on this podcast. Okay, yeah. <laughs>
1: Philly's pitcher, you know, uh advanced college prospect. You know it's not like I haven't been you it's not like you haven't been editing me writing about him <laughs> since like his sophomore year at LSU. But one thing that's really surprised me is not I think the performance overall has surprised me a little bit that he's this this good this fast, but it's the strikeout numbers. He struck out eighty-eight in eighty one and two thirds innings, and like he wasn't supposed to be a strikeout guy, but he's uh developed uh like the, we knew the curveball was good in college and in the minors, but until you see him just completely make a fool out at of a, at a big league uh, uh, sluggers with the curveball, we didn't know how good. And he's getting so many more swings and misses than, um, than I would have predicted. He was ranked 296 uh, before the season, ranked 60 now. I believe in the top, I don't know, I'm not going to count, but it looks like <laughs> about top 20, 25 starting pitchers. So that's, uh, I don't know, you know, if he's if he's the best pitcher on your team, you're probably in trouble. But he's definitely a guy you could have picked up in the middle rounds and gotten, I don't know, high number two, you know, high number two starter quality performance out of so far.
0: He's been awesome. Uh, He's my he's my favorite young exciting player on a team full of young exciting players. I I really enjoy watching him. I think the people who say that he's like a number three starter, not an ace, deserve to. to to watch terrible baseball all year. Um, Well, that's
1: the... I mean, just real quick on on NOLA, like, that's the thing that... where all these guys come out of nowhere, like, you know, Jacob DeGrom, for instance, uh is guys who... Who have the command and, um, you know, DeGrom was a a position player in college, so he took a little longer to develop, but guys who have the command and then the stuff ticks up a little bit or the stuff winds up playing a little better. And that's where you go from, you know, somebody who, you know, like Nola was sort of seen as a safe pick without much upside when he was drafted and he's turned into... You know, a guy, I don't know if he's ever going to be like a, a guy you feel good throwing out there against Clayton Kershaw and, in game seven of a playoff series, but you know, maybe that next level down.
0: I don't know. Don't you feel good about throwing anyone against Kershaw in a playoff well, series? Not, not not in the no. regular season, but in the playoffs. Yeah. Sure.
1: No, we're not going to do this. We're, we'll do this. <laughs> all right. I'm sorry. October. I'm sorry, if Dodger fans. If we ever do it at all. I'm not doing Kershaw it. in the playoffs right now. I couldn't right
0: help now. it. Um, the, the next guy for me, another uh, another young star in the NL East, Marcelo Zuna, Marlins outfielder. Yeah. He is a favorite of ours. Uh, we share a passion for him and 2 two eleven preseason rank, currently sitting at 48. He is just fucking crushing baseballs right now. He's hitting 314, slugging 539, 901 OPS. He's got 12 homers. He's scored 40 runs, obviously not giving you any speed, but, but that's okay because he's giving you everything else. And this is actually a guy who I, th- I think in a couple of my leagues, and I think probably this is true across the board, was either drafted very late and then maybe dropped or was not drafted. And I, I picked him up off the waiver wire in one of my leagues, which is a really great feeling. Uh, and he actually slid in for, for Puig when, when Puig went on the DL. Um, he's been awesome. And, and this is a guy who people have been excited about for years. He was just like frankly not good last year and it was sort of a bummer and now this is the player that we have all thought we would we would uh we'd get to see and and we're seeing him it's awesome and it, it's
1: tough to get excited about the you know he's he's got like the third beetle at, you know, right. aspect right. playing between Yelich and Stanton so he's no matter what he does he's gonna uh, fly under the radar a little bit
0: who's, ne- who's next for you
1: Drew Pomerantz I'm gonna oh, go with another man
0: great pick I love that
1: I am I am staggered that he is any good. Like this is one of the most shocking things that has happened in baseball this year. He was a former first round pick who was uh, uh, once the top prospect traded for your man, Ubaldo yeah. Jimenez. Fuck that guy. And he is <laughs> he is uh, bounced around. I think. I think it's three big league franchises just pretty much gave up on him. And he I thought he
0: has—he has not been on every single team at this point. Is that not—is that not real life? It just feels the, that the way? the full <laughs>
1: Dotel? Like I don't know if if he hadn't put up eighty-nine strikeouts and in seventy-five innings so far, like he might be on his way to the the full Octavio Dotel right now. But it's you know strike. You know you could talk about pitching in San Diego, but those strikeout numbers aren't like ballparks don't affect strikeout numbers like that so you know he could be a guy who puts a a sub three era without anybody noticing and he is absolutely somebody you could have gotten off the waiver wire at the start of the season
0: someone you could not have gotten off the waiver wire at the start of the season but someone who has still really outperformed expectations and also someone you wrote about quite quite beautifully this week our man robinson cano who uh this was really the The first year after a career of being a first round pick or like second round pick at worst kind of fell in the rankings and was was ranked 55th preseason. He I want to say he went in like the fifth round in one in one of my leagues. He just kept falling maybe even the sixth round. He's been an MVP candidate. Uh, He's he's currently ranked 13th, hitting 297, slugging 570, 920 OPS, 18 homers, 51 Ruby, for 49 runs. He's just been uh, an offensive force. And at second base, that is Mm -hmm. still incredibly, incredibly useful. I mean, it just makes him one of the most valuable players in fantasy because it's a position of scarcity
1: and what what really stands out is power numbers like when i was writing about it i was like oh you know robinson cano is among the the leaders in in weight of runs created or whatever that doesn't surprise me but 18 home runs like that that even shocked me i think that's that's easily paced for a career high in by far a worse uh ballpark for a lefty power hitter than the one he came up in so yeah <laughs> got to be I'm I I don't know if I'm surprised about Robinson Cano so much as I'm relieved but there's <laughs>
0: it's a good way to put it it's a good yeah. way to put it any anyone else uh, anyone else standing out to you as a big surprise this season
1: yeah let's move on
0: all right let's uh let's do a little just just quick uh redraft if we were if we were going to redo the the first round today what would our let's do top 12 like let's let's assume it's a 12 team league what would our right. top 12 look like? And obviously, as we said at the beginning, this is like a combination of data and perception because it would be very easy to just say, Here's, here are the guys who, who rank 1 through 12 right now. That's not fun. Um, that's a part of it, but that's not that's not fun. So wh- what do you want to do here? You want to give me your 12 and I'll give you mine? Or do you want to alternate? Well, how should we tackle this?
1: Let's, let's alternate. Let's... Okay. Uh,
0: All right. Who's number one for yeah. you?
1: Trout. I don't know what there is to say. He's... The best player in baseball is going to be the best player in baseball going forward he's stealing more bases than he has in a couple of years it
0: Give will me trout. it will shock you to hear that i also have mike trout number one i do think you could make convincing cases for other players though um, yeah. but i'm i'm, I'm not going to do that so my uh my number two i'm a little i'm a little shocked that i have uh <laughs> have this player here I'm gonna go with Kershaw. I've never been a person to take pitchers high. Okay. I, I personally, like just my personal draft philosophy, I'm not taking my first pitcher in, until like the third or fourth round. But I don't really think you can debate the fact that he has been the best player in baseball this year. So if you're in a head-to-head league, those weeks when you get Two starts from him, you're not going to lose. You just aren't, and there aren't too many other players in baseball who are going to put up the numbers that he's putting up and single handedly help you help you win.
1: Yep. Well, we'll get that. obviously Kershaw's on my twelve somewhere, but uh, he's not number two. Number two is Bryce Harper, who, despite recent struggles, is not so far removed from like being 2002 to 2004 Barry Bonds in that we we're. Consider like people were talking about changing the intentional walk rules because teams were so afraid of him, and he's one year removed from essentially putting up ted williams nineteen forty one season adjusted for the offensive environment so if not trout, then harper I think that's the that's where I'd go in real life that's where I'd go in fantasy too.
0: I took Harper second in a league this year, and uh i'm I'm annoyed that I did. Like he just hasn't been good. It's that simple. And so while it would obviously be foolish to like leave him out of the first round or to like throw a throw a hissy fit, I I'm not going to put him second, um obviously. And I'm not even going to put him third. I'll tell you where I'm where I'm putting him when I get yeah. there, but uh you know, it's uh it's just like not not super fun having a guy who can't hit 250. Um my number 3. And again, this is like this is not something that I'm I'm <laughs> ever really thought I'd say. Jose Altuve oh that's my number three too he's been fucking unbelievable I thought that was (laughs) gonna be controversial it is controversial I think we're just we've we're choosing to face controversy together he's uh he's pretty much been the perfect fantasy baseball player like it's that simple
1: yeah who's uh who's, who's four for you uh, Forrest Kershaw, I'm with you I haven't taken a pitcher in the first round Since the year I took Brandon Webb in the first round And he blew out his shoulder on opening day And never pitched in the majors <laughs> again uh, oh, God. But I would just Second everything you said about Kershaw And he's just so much better than the next best guy
0: I, uh, I agree Um, My my number Four is Mookie Betts Who uh, is Probably like the most fun player to watch right now, certainly up there. He's giving you production in every single category, and I, you know, he didn't go in the first round uh, this this preseason, but I think he definitely would go in the first round now. It's it's just a it's just a question of where.
1: Yeah, I think you got the wrong Red Sox, but I,
0: I've got the other one coming up coming okay. up in a couple picks. Fear not.
1: <laughs> so number my number five is, and I'm honestly. Completely bowled over that I'm the first person to say his he's going to be nice n- he's going
0: to be my number five too. Don't okay, you worry. Should we say it together? One, yeah. two, three. Manny Machado. Machado. I wanted to put him at number one just so you would yell at me. I almost put I, him at number I, one. I probably would have yelled at you. He's amazing. He's. I mean, he's my. He's not only my favorite baseball player. He's my favorite human being right now. Period. uh He's just incredible.
1: And he's eligible at shortstop too this year, which is important.
0: The I actually seriously did consider putting him in the top three. The reason I didn't, personal bias and jokes aside, he's not stealing bases this year. If he was stealing bases at the clip that he did last season, I think mm-hmm. he's a top three pick. But because, given the power and the, and the average, but when you lose the speed and you just have to kind of punt on that category, and that's not really his fault. He did have a couple early season steal attempts that uh, that that went horribly wrong but it's just not a part of the Orioles offensive philosophy you know they're, they're, I, last time I checked at least I think this is probably still true they're last in baseball and, and steals uh, they just don't run so w- without that category working in his favor it's, it's a little hard to put them higher than five I think
1: I had the same thought and I guess my counter argument is steals are so rare in baseball in general that like you might be able to afford having someone like Rajai Davis in your lineup just to get get you you know, those 25 steals, even, you know, hopefully more if it's Roger Davis, but uh, just to get you the odd stolen base, even if he doesn't really give you anything else. So I'm sensitive to that, but I think uh, him being shortstop eligible um, puts him over the top. Uh, So my number, where are we now? Six is actually is a base dealer and you wouldn't think that to look at him. And that's Paul Goldschmidt. Um, Mm -hmm. He was a, not a particularly controversial, um, you know, top 10 pick. And, you know, he's somebody maybe maybe by Gold Goldschmidtian standards, he's, he's been a little bit disappointed. He's not like among the league leaders in, in home runs right now, but he's got eight stolen bases out of first base. Uh, and we've still got the rest of the season ahead of us. And if you're in a head-to-head league, that's where the playoffs are. So at this point in the year, I'm still drafting – Mostly for what I think the player can do in the future, not so much what uh, he's already put in the bank.
0: I I have Goldschmidt a little lower than you, but generally have the same assessment. You know, he's been he's been slightly disappointing, but only compared to the obscene expectations that we all had for him. Um, my, My number six is Harper. You know, it's it's a little crazy to have him that low, but... I don't know I don't I couldn't talk myself into putting him above those other guys I just couldn't I mean the average is low the power by his usual standards is is really low he's stealing bases which is nice but you draft Bryce Harper because you think he can win you the week every time mm-hmm. and since the like since April, that just hasn't been the case, which is uh, which is unfortunate. Obviously, he's just he's the kind of talent where, at any point, he could again start performing like the best hitter in baseball. But right now, I'm not seeing that guy on the field.
1: Well, obviously, I disagree with you there. Of course, of course. So, what, what no- would
0: be the fun of doing this if we didn't occasionally disagree?
1: I guess so. Um, so number uh, number seven, I think it's the only person who my estimation has changed radically in the first half of the season, at least in this top 12, and that's Xander Bogarts. Ah, Yeah,
0: he's my my number seven, too. Look at that.
1: Yeah, I just talked about how I wouldn't draft for first half of the season, but, you know, he's hitting three he He's got nine stolen bases, which is a little bit surprising. You know, that's sort of what I would have expected from him uh, over the course of an entire season. But, you know, if that's already in the bank, then I'd— I think he definitely merits a spot in the top 12.
0: Yeah, I mean, I had bets ahead of him by a couple spots because I think he's a safer power and speed bet, but obviously Bogarts is doing amazing things right now. Um, speaking of uh, of people doing amazing things, number eight on my list is Nolan Arenado. You know, it, it's not a su- surprise that Nolan Arenado is uh, is hitting baseballs very far, very frequently, but he's leading the National League in home runs and is doing pretty much everything else well he's obviously and in terms of real baseball value his defense is a huge part of what makes him an mvp contender but from a fantasy perspective i mean third base is not the deep position that it used to be so if you drafted him you're really happy right now yep
1: i i have arenado later on my list as well uh, my number eight is this one, this one might be the controversial one. And I have Jose Fernandez as my wow second pitcher on the board over Jake Arrieta. I mean, the strikeout numbers are absolutely nuts. I, you know, I'm, I guess it, like this has become part of my brand that like I'm low on Arietta and Syndergaard. But, you know, it's, I think it was just a matter of getting back in the, in the groove for Jose Fernandez. And like, I definitely wouldn't have picked him I would have wanted to pick him this early uh, at the beginning of the season because I love him so much because he's so much fun to watch. And like, there's something to just being having fun guys to root for on your team. But seeing like he's striking out more guys parading than Kershaw is. And yeah, I I, honestly, this is just, I think he's going to be the best. He's not so far behind Arietta right now that I don't think he is going to overcome that gap um, for the rest of the season.
0: It's it's hard to find a single thing not to like. He's he's incredible, and part of fantasy baseball is picking players who you like. Picking players who are fun Like mm-hmm. the, like There's no worse feeling For me As a, a fantasy baseball player Than like When I draft a Yankee In, in fantasy baseball Or a Steeler In fantasy football Because like As a Baltimore sports a fan The Steeler one is yeah, the worst like, That's not fun for me It's actually like An unpleasant feeling To have to root for those guys So I, I agree with you That the just, just picking someone Who is who's consistently Awesome to watch That's a big part of it um, Next for me Is Goldie For all the reasons You already said So I, I won't uh, I won't harp on that I, you know, I feel a little, little bad Putting him this low I think it's 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 surprising to ever see a, a fantasy baseball first round projection that doesn't have him in the top five, um, and yeah. he was actually ahead of Harper on a lot of preseason ranks. I mean, he went second in a lot of leagues, so this is a little, little low, but you know that's part of a product of that that entire team right now.
1: Yeah, it's the I think it's the stolen bases too, and right. just stolen bases being scarce and particularly um, at first base right now. Um, my number nine is Francisco Lindor. I think the. Like he's, I think the power's real. I think he's going to steal you more bases than somebody like Bogart's in the long run. I think the average is real. Sign me up. I am. And this is some that's uh, that's in the column that either has run or will run today. It, like he, he uh, said something about how his mentality has changed since he got to the upper minors in the big leagues. And that just I'm this might just be the glow from that article or from that that quote. Like I looked at that quote and it glowed on me like the, the briefcase in Pulp Fiction. And I <laughs> like I, I just can't get enough Francisco Lindor right now.
0: He's amazing. He's one of my favorite players in baseball right now. Um, I'm just going to quickly breeze through the the, the next yeah. few names on my list uh, to keep this moving. I've got Arietta, Cano, and Baumgartner rounding out my my first round. I definitely considered putting Fernandez there instead of Baumgartner um, for all the reasons you mentioned. But Madison Baumgartner has been kind of unbelievably amazing this season. And... Uh, the era is incredible the strikeout total is high he's never bad he's just never bad and there's something to be said for for having a player on your team who's never bad um i also considered lindor instead of cano you know that 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 11 spot was going to go to a exciting middle infielder but i think that given the power numbers we discussed earlier it was hard to keep cano out for me and Arietta, you know yeah. we, we've all talked about Arietta enough <laughs>
1: And my, my 10 and 11 are Arenado and Anthony Rizzo. Uh, you know, you said everything about Arenado. Rizzo, I think a lot of what applies to Goldschmidt applies to him in terms of average and stolen bases at a first base. He's one of those um, guys on the left end of the de- defensive spe- uh, spectrum who is so good at the plate that I'd, I'd sell out for. And 12, I didn't feel great about, but, you know, I, it's – I feel like the best is yet to come for Josh Donaldson. So, you know, he hasn't been bad at all um, the first half of the season. You know, maybe like a second, third round guy instead of a first round guy. But I think more and better is yet to come.
0: All right, Mike, let's let's talk about the thing that everyone is thinking about, both for real baseball and fantasy baseball this time of year. Trades! I don't know what the deadline is in your league, ringer listener, but... This is the time of the season to start making your team better, and that means punting on the guys you're sick of owning and acquiring the guys that you think someone else is probably sick of owning. So we're each just gonna we're gonna go pretty rapid fire here. We're each gonna give a few uh, uh, buy targets and a few sell targets. I'll I'll start. Um, the, the lead buy candidate for me right now is a guy you listed among your disappointments, and that's Puig. Everything that you said about him is completely true. Started at 59, now ranks 744. That's abysmal. And again, trust me, as someone who owns him, I know how bad he's been. He's hitting 237, five homers, four steals, and he's on the DL. But... The hammy is healing. It's healing. He had a homer in his Monday rehab start. If he comes back healthy and focused, he could easily give you 15 homers and 10 steals in the second half of the fantasy baseball season. And I would want that kind of production on my team.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with all that. Um, I actually feel a lot better about trading for... if You, know, you talked about how it's tough to sell on John Carlos Stanton right now because you would have put so much into him that, you know, you don't want to be the guy who sells him and he goes off uh, for a 20 home runs second half. I'm very confident in his ability to you know, raise his batting average 50 points to hit 20, you know, like I said, just 20 home runs in the, the second half, if not more. And if you trade for him now, you don't have that crappy first half on your, you know, on your, uh, 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 resume right now. so if you can get him for anything less than than sticker price, he's definitely a guy I'd target right now
0: all right who's uh who's on who's on your buy list here
1: okay so i've got I've actually got a package deal right now oh. that that I would recommend to people and that is sell on John Mar gomez and trade for Hector naris mm. uh, these are the two guys at the back end of the Phillies bullpen uh, John Mar Gomez is uh, he was, I don't think he still is, but he was for a while leading the National League in saves. This despite uh, having maybe the worst stuff of any closer in the National League. Um, and I think that where the Phillies are right now, particularly now that they've dropped back in the standings a little bit, that they know they're not going to contend um, after I jinxed them with that article on on Ringer launch day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they would be inclined to sell Gomez to a team that you know and we talk about saves not mattering or anything but somebody's going to buy a quote unquote proving closer and uh and i think gomez is going to be that guy's and he's either going to fall off in terms of um in terms of performance or he's going to get traded and he's not going to get saves anymore and when that happens naris who i think is a much much better pitcher is going to step into the ninth inning role for the phillies and he's got great stuff he's And the Phillies are are like an ideal team um, to pick up up cheap saves from because they're going to play a lot of low-scoring games because their offense sucks and their starting pitching is really good. So they're going to play a lot of three to two games that are going to be close towards the end of the game. And I think this is what has inflated Gomez's save totals. And I think the same effect will work for Neris if and when that handoff takes place.
0: I like that one. That's a good one. Next, uh, next buy candidate for me Corey Kluber. He was ranked thirty-six this preseason, and he's ranked fifty-nine now. So, if you just look at that those comparative figures, you are not really going to think that he's been like a disappointing player. But but he has been. He's he's starting. He's already starting to round the bend. So that's why those numbers are close. If you had looked at that a month ago, I, I suspect the gap would have been considerable. His overall stats are still just bad enough. That you can probably trick a frustrated owner into 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 giving you him for for <laughs> for cheaper mm-hmm. than uh, at any other point in, in in the season, and you know people who thought they were getting an ace are, are probably ready to move on from the the heartache. But here, but the thing is that even in Kluber's bad starts this year, he's delivered incredibly useful strikeout totals, and four of his last five starts have been gems. So I'm in. I'm all in on Kluber for the second half.
1: Yeah, I think that's a. Uh... Uh, a good way to go i want to i want to go to a sell candidate and that's let me let me
0: give you Uh, one let me just give you one one more more buy candidate because i can't help it and i feel bad that we haven't talked about him yet okay andrew mccutcheon Mm. ranked ninth this preseason currently ranked 376 someone out there drafted him in the first round and is not enjoying a first round player So, that person's probably willing to move on and is ready to sell low. You should buy. He's not going to hit 237 with nine homers and one steal. He's not going to be on that pace all year. His thumb injury is going to heal. And when it does, he'll be himself again. Maybe. Bye. All right. Who are you selling?
1: I was going to sell McCutcheon's teammate, (laughs) Starling Marte, uh, who's, you know, he's stealing a ton of bases. He's hitting 330. And it's just like guys, and even, even if on base percentage isn't a category in your. In your league, guys who um, are high average, low OBP, kind of low power, they always scare me a little bit. Unless there's someone like Ben Revere who you can just pick up at the end of a draft. So I think there's, I mean, there's a possibility he keep, keeps this up all year, and you can look like an idiot for selling on him. Um, but there's also a possibility that that batting average comes down 40 points in the second half and 19 steals now turns into I don't know, 27 by the end of the year. So he's not a guy that I would absolutely push a sell button on. But I think if you get a good offer on him, then if you can get value for him now, then definitely pull the trigger.
0: I like that. My, uh, my lead sell candidate is uh, Reds outfielder Adam Duvall, who was ranked 442nd this preseason and is now sitting at 56. He is second in the National League in home runs behind Nolan Arenado. He's got 18 dingers, but his on-base percentage is 290? <laughs> which is hysterical and he's i don't even
1: know what to comp that to it's it's like like,
0: it's like unbelievable it's it's just it's hysterical and he's got he's sporting a a 64 to 8 uh strike out to walk ratio basically the the punchline here is that if the power dips off there's nothing else there so sell him sell him while the power is still good enough to to trick a potential trade partner into biting yeah, and
1: one other sell guy, speaking of guys who if the power goes away, there's nothing, uh, is is uh, Mark Trumbo. I would...
0: Hey, hey now, you watch your mouth, young man. I
1: would, one, not have him on my team under any circumstances <laughs> to start. But if I did, I would definitely be looking for someone to offload him and his fluky-ass 20 home run season on to. And, uh, you know, maybe get somebody who can contribute anywhere. Because that, I mean... <laughs> What is he's in like 280 right now? Like, I don't know. Do you honestly think that's gonna that's gonna keep up for the rest of the year?
0: It's, Michael, no we're, way. We're, is... we're in a fight. No, of course okay. I don't think it's gonna keep up. <laughs> it's, this is absurd. When when they acquired him, I was like devastated. I mean, I was devastated. Is never a player I wanted to have to root for. He's been an absolute thrill. And a joy to watch, right but obviously there's not a single part of me that thinks this is sustainable. Um, I
1: just I just worry that like the the Orioles looked at all these teams that are playing you know heavy defensive shifts, playing five guys on on the first base side of the of uh, of the field, and they <sighs> misinterpreted that and went out and got five first basemen. <laughs> like this yeah. this team makes last year's Mariners look like the big red machine. That that's how. Just completely immobile they are. So,
0: um, I would like to uh, bring up another immobile player right now. Um, right. Big Poppy.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, sell, sell, sell! sell <laughs>
0: Big Poppy now while you still can. He uh, is currently the. Third-ranked player in fantasy baseball, which is fucking insane. He's he's performing at a historic level. Like when people are listing his comps right now, it's like Ted Williams. Uh, that guys that's not that's not gonna last. The odds of that lasting are a lot worse than the odds of him needing a hip replacement around the All Star break. Please sell now while you still can. And while you're at it, sell another Red Sox. Sell Stephen Wright. We have a piece uh piece on the Ringer today by Jack McCluskey about why Wright has been amazing, how the knuckleball is dancing, and we're going wonders, how it should be an all-star candidate. I love Jack, but I, I am forced to disagree and say that if you've gotten ten quality starts and seventy strikeouts out of right so far, you're thrilled and you should mm. quit while you're ahead. And find the yes. find the find the Red Sox fan who's definitely in your league and sell, sell, sell. Got it. Everybody and everybody's got a Red Sox fan exactly. In their league. That's... Exactly. You know that guy's there. Just do it. Pounce. Any, uh, any those those were my sell candidates. Anyone else you want to talk about or should we uh, should we chat prospects? Uh, we could talk prospects if you want. Okay. Well, this is our this is our last discussion point of the day. We were just going to d- provide a few names for for the listeners out there of prospects who are worth not only watching but potentially stashing on your team, even though they're not currently active. And obviously, last year was the year of the prospect. Every four hours some new exciting amazing player was getting the call and helping you win that's not really the case this year we've seen a couple high profile call-ups but it's not the same clip and because so many guys came up last year the 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 the, there's like this diluted feel to the minor leagues right now where there just aren't as many excited guys period so people probably need your help you have watched a ton of college baseball you're a draft nut you're a prospect hound I have a few guys on my list but I'm gonna I, I would like you to take the lead here and walk us through uh walk us through the people we should be acquiring Okay,
1: well, I'll start, and I said earlier that shortstop is not the the desert that it used to be, and it's going to get worse. And the big reason for that is three guys who are probably going to uh, see some playing time this year, and that's J.P. Crawford in the Phillies system, Alex Bregman of the Astros and Orlando R.C. of the Brewers. Um, right now, they're, uh, Crawford and Bregman um, are both raking um, – uh, in the high minors uh Crawford is going to be an absolute superstar I'm I'm pretty sure but he has the potential and this might be why I like him so much to be one of those guys who's better in in real life than he is in fantasy just because of the defense but I think at his peak he's like you know a uh, uh, 272 80 average, maybe 15 home runs, 20 stolen bases, and he could pop into the lineup. And like the ceiling right now is he pops up in the lineup uh, sometime next month and turns into what Lindor was last year. Um, and Bregman, I think, is a, a maybe a better fantasy prospect for a couple reasons. One, I think that he's going to wind up stealing more bases than uh, than Crawford and, and maybe hit for a higher average. And right now, the the struggle with the Astros is where they want to where they want to put him and they've got obviously that probably the not probably they've definitely got the best uh, double play combination in baseball right now with Correa and Altuve and Bregman is a a shortstop who I think profiles better than anywhere else at second base but they've been working him out at Corpus Christi at third base so maybe he comes up and plays there you get a little bit of positional flexibility um I think ultimately, if I were the Astros, I would move Correa over to third base, but that's not something that you you do mid season. So I think Bregman is a guy, and out of those three guys, he's the the one who um, who comes up first. I, I if I were taking bets on that. And the Brewers have Orlando Arcia, who is uh, not at all like uh, Oswaldo Arcia of the Twins. He's a you know definite no no doubt about it shortstop who you know. Pretty much everything I said about Crawford applies to him. Um, the only thing right now is uh, that's blocking him is that Jonathan Jonathan VR is having uh, the season of not even his life because I don't think <laughs> that this is even within the remote realm of possibilities for a player like him. Um, so, by the way, if you've got Jonathan VR right now, quit while you're ahead and sell. And uh, I think the Brewers might eventually do the same thing. Call R C up, and uh, you can. Um, get some cheap shortstop production out of him, and the, the last guy. Sorry, I'm going on a little bit. If everybody knows Joey Gallo, if Joey Gallo is a free agent
0: in your league, yes. definitely get him. I so. uh, I agree. Gallo is on my list too. I'm I'm a little surprised that you didn't have another young shortstop on your list. What about Trey Turner with the Nats?
1: I I actually I was unsure of what. Uh, what we were talking about with prospects, because he's... Well, I guess he hasn't been up any more than... He's, he's than back Gala, down, but, man.
0: He's back yeah. down. They sent him... They they called him up while Zimmerman was on paternity leave. He went three for three, then he sat on the bench, and then now he's back in the minors, and Dusty Baker is pulling that why rush him bullshit card. Like, this kid belongs in the major it's leagues. So Are they really going to keep letting Danny Espinosa block him? That's crazy.
1: The And the thing I like about... Turner is, he's a better, probably a better fantasy prospect for this season than any of those other shortstops. One, because he's older than uh, uh, Crawford and Bregman and, uh, you know, another year removed from from college. But uh, also, he's a stolen base. He's, you know, he's a guy who could potentially steal 30, 40 stolen bases over the course of a full season. So, yeah. Turner, if. If he's there to be had, then then have him, grab him.
0: While while we're talking about the Nats, quickly, where where do you stand on uh, on Lucas Giolito and and whether this is the year that he gets the call?
1: I don't. So Giolito is a like he is what it looks like, as they say, like he's six six right hander. You know, throws upper nineties, has one of the best uh, uh, curveballs in the minor leagues like there is hall of fame potential in that arm. And then the nationals, for some reason early in the season started fucking with his delivery. And I have no idea why they (laughs) did this. And like from, I was reading Keith law on him a couple of days ago. And he says that Giolito's back to where he was, but he also lost two months of development. And he was a, a guy who I thought was sort of a a long shot to make a big league impact this year. Maybe, you know, he comes up like the, like David price with the Oh eight, uh, tampa bay rays and you know maybe pitches a few innings out of the bullpen i just don't think he's going to get the innings this year to be an impact fantasy player i think he could make an impact for the nationals in the stretch run but you know i don't think he's going to get saves i don't think he's going to get um any kind of innings in the rotation either
0: well, Michael, you are an impact player. I know that. And uh, this was delightful. Oh, go on. <laughs> I will go on. You're wonderful. I'll just keep telling everybody why. Um, this was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. Talking about fantasy baseball is always a blast. And uh, uh, hopefully, hopefully the listeners enjoyed it as well. And uh, this was just a real pleasure to share this time with you. I will see you in Slack in about 37 seconds. And yep. uh, we'll do it again soon. All right. All right, man. Go O's. <laughs>